Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga from College Coach, and happy almost New Year. We're actually taping this on the 14th, but it's going to go live on the 30th, so it'll almost be New Year. I'm looking forward to it. I know Jan is, (laughs) so I'm guessing that the rest of you are too. Um, And for any seniors who are listening, I hope you've submitted all your applications and can now relax and maybe even have heard a little good news from your earlies. Uh, Very hopeful for you for that. With the new year comes goal setting, and my first and second segments are all about that. My first is with Jan Combs, who if you're watching this on video, you'll see her here now. And uh, she's one of my finance colleagues from College Coach. She'll be giving tips on setting financial goals for the new year's, new year's resolutions. Um, And my second is with Zaragoza Guerra a longtime colleague of mine here at College Coach. Um, He and I will be discussing general New Year's goals outside of finances. And then I'll be wrapping things up with Sarah Calvert-Kubram, another colleague of mine, um, formerly of Lewis and Clark College. And she and I will be discussing what to do once you have submitted all of your applications. Can you just forget about them? Almost, but not quite. So on to my first segment. Welcome, Jan. Thank you, Sally. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I always, always enjoy the finance segments because those are the areas where I know almost nothing, like really (laughs) almost nothing. I know a lot about the other stuff. I know almost nothing about this. So, um, all right. So when do you think is the best time to establish new financial goals? Should Do people have to wait until the 1st of January? No, they <laughs> don't. But thank you for asking that. I really think any time is perfect. I mean, my family, <laughs> I'm a nerd. Every year on uh, New Year's Day, we do our big spending plan we have for over 30 years. But you don't have to do it on the 1st. I really do firmly believe that any time is fine. Um, when you have a big milestone, maybe someone just graduating from college or you're getting married or you're getting a new job. Um, any time, of course. Um, but, you know, since it's almost the New Year's, why not start now? Either doing it the last day of the year or the first day of the year or whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. I have to say I'm impressed that you do it every year. I've started <laughs> doing more of that because I want to take like, I'm like, OK, I want to go to Australia. That's going to be expensive. Yeah, yes. I actually have to plan for that. It's not just yep. like going to California where I have friends exactly. I can stay with and it's just the airfare, you know? So yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And how do you, so how do you set goals? Um, I know that for a lot of this, this can be really overwhelming. And and in all honesty, it was super over. I mean, I don't think I really got my financial life together until I hit 40, to be honest. Like that's how old I was. I think when I like finally started being systematic and really like, you know, planning more, yeah. I would say. Um, so yeah. So how, how does one begin? How does one overcome that sort of fear and anxiety? Sure. And I think planning is a perfect word that you use. And I also love the fact that you shared one of your goals, right? Mm-hmm. And I always say to people when they ask, well, how do I get started? Just dream a little, please just dream a little, you know, think about what's most important to you. What do you value? Right? Because your goals really are going to extend from your personal values, right? So think about what's important to you. Dream a little bit. That's going to help you set those goals. So you've got Australia. That's perfect. You can start saving towards that. Mm -hmm. So think about what's important to you. You know, if you value your career and you think you might need higher education, well, maybe your goal is going to be additional schooling or maybe you value adventure, right? Like you do because you're going Mm -hmm. to Australia and you want to stay for a particular trip or adventure gear, for example, or maybe you're debt adverse. Um, Mm -hmm. And you want to start putting money towards a particular debt. So just think about what's important to you. Dream a little bit and come up with your list. That's probably the best place to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember when a close friend of mine was like, well, I don't travel because I can't afford it. And I'm like, well, but you can because you actually make more money than I do. I was like, I'm not saying that you should, right? You might have other priorities, but just to say, no, I can't. Is You know, what if you put a hundred bucks a month away towards it? 
eventually you'll be able to. Yeah. 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 Their priority wasn't the same as ours, right? Making travel a priority. So that's another perfect example. Yeah. Make what's a priority to you and what's important to you and then just get started. And it's okay to yeah. start small too. Yeah, really yeah, is. exactly. A hundred bucks over time is going to add up to enough to go to Europe yeah. if that's your goal or wherever yeah. it might be. Um, all right. So like, let's say when someone comes up um, with a dream, you know, then, or, or multiple dreams, right? Um, how do you move forward? Yeah. So I think you have to start small, right? So that you're not completely overwhelmed. And I think it's really important to either do a budget or a spending plan right? Because mm-hmm. money doesn't just happen, right? You kind of have to plan how to use your money in an appropriate way. So I like using spending plans because those allow you to look at, say, each pay period that you have. Maybe you get paid once a month, maybe mm-hmm. you get paid twice a month. Look at each pay period and then figure out what's coming in and then what things you have to, you don't have a choice. You have to pay your rent, you have to pay your car mm-hmm. payment, whatever it is. All of those legitimate mandatory payments mm-hmm. account for those. And then see what's left. Do you have $50 left? Do you have $250 less? And then give every single dollar that's left over a job, right? Mm-hmm. In your case, maybe you have one goal and that's Australia and you might be saving every available dollar to that. Or you might have three different goals and you're going to prioritize those goals and for every dollar left over, in that spending plan, right, period, whether it's two weeks or a month, you're going to allocate those dollars directly. That's how you take control of your money and make decisions yourself and prioritize where every single dollar goes. One of my colleagues always says, give every dollar a job, right, and make sure they're doing their job. Right. Well, and the other thing that I like about this is that for a long time, I made very little money. And so I, there was just this sense of scarcity that I had. And I realized that I have enough now. It's like a very strange feeling. Like I'm going to meet my retirement goals. So I have money that I know is dispensable, like, or that I can use the way I want to use it because yeah. everything else is happening automatically. Right. Yes. And so what I like about this too, is that I was able to be like, no, I can go to Australia. I can do this because I know how much money I need for these other things. Right. Exactly. So, so that's, I think the positive side of this is if, you know, really, if you are always worried about not having enough money, you know, using budgets and spending tools, actually writing it down is where I think personally, it's important to help you stay on track and reach Mm -hmm. those goals. Yeah. Or if you're, you know, young, putting it in your phone. <laughs> like I actually make <laughs> yeah, lists. Exactly. I actually make my lists. Two chill, my three yeah. children using yeah. your phone for everything. You're right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what my nephew does. So, yeah. um, all right. And so I think for a lot of us, though, it is going to be difficult to set up a spending plan. So yeah. what are some tools that might be, you know, available for that? Sure. And I, and I always like to say it's not so much difficult. It's not that difficult, but you do need to sit down and spend time initially to set it up and then revisit for every pay period. Mm -hmm. So certainly there's some phenomenal apps, as you've already mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, or online tools. Uh, Consumerfinance.gov has some great tools. They're neutral. Um, NerdWallet, Mint, um, even Google Sheets has templates. Excel Spreadsheets has templates. Mm -hmm. Um, Many financial services companies as well. You might have a favorite company that you work with. They have a lot of their own tools, calculators, budgeting sheets, spending plan sheets. So using what's available to you for free, whether it's through a related company or an online source, there's plenty of resources out there. Pick one, just get started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to say I've used NerdWallet a lot and it was really helpful when I was first got myself out of credit card debt and did what I needed to do. So, mm -hmm. yeah, a true testament right there. Yeah, no, I will. (laughs) I I read like everything in there and it helped a lot. So, um, so even if one sets up a spending plan and starts allocating extra money towards certain goals, is that enough to say that you have a goal? Like, are there ways of defining goals? Like, it's kind of a big thing to say, I want to go to Australia, right? And that can just kind of hang over your head. So how do you make it happen? Yep, that's a big goal. And again, I think a spending plan and a budget is a good first step. But I think diving deeper into the actual goal is really important. I personally love his my Boston accent's going to kick in. So be careful here. Smart <laughs> goals instead of smart goals. So yeah. smart goals. 
is um, the, the system that I like that's worked well for me. And basically, you, know, you might have heard of SMART goals. It is a common practice even in the workplace, right? We might use them to work on projects together or reach professional goals, for example. So SMART goals can be used within the work environment. It also very much pertains to personal finance goals as well. And so we all know how to spell SMART, right? Um, and so the yes, of course, is going to stand for specific. Your goal, when you set those goals, they should be clear and specific. So we, so we know Sally wants to go to Australia. She's clear and specific about that. Um, it must also be measurable, right? Goals need to be able to be measurable so that you stay on track, right? So you can show that you're making progress. Um, they also need to be achievable, right? Um, goals that are realistic and achievable, um, you tend to be more successful. Um, so you want it, you need to understand the necessary steps, right? Um, and then of course, relevant, um, that ensures that it's kind of aligning with your values. You love mm -hmm. to travel. It's very relevant. It's aligning with your values. And of course, all goals have to be timely, right? Mm -hmm. They have to have a time component. Um, they have a target date, and that way you know exactly um, the commitment that you're making to that target date. To that target date, excuse me. Um, so SMART goals, I think, are pr pretty important. Mm -hmm. yep. mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I recommend them to students all the time. And, uh, you know, to the extent that, like, when I think about what I do every day, a lot of students are like, I want to go to X college. And I'm like, okay, great. Let's break it down what you need to do to get there. Let's look at the impact of not doing your homework some nights. <laughs> like, right, exactly. Is that getting you closer to that goal or farther away right, from that goal? Right. <laughs> you know, so. I'm going to use that with my youngest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I, yeah, I used it with one a student of mine. I said, do you want to go to a community college? And he was like, absolutely not. And I said, okay, well, you're making choices when you don't do your homework to go to a community college. You may not realize right. it, but that is the choice you're making. And he was like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. So that smartle approach that does seem interesting and useful. Yeah. Um, I mean, can you give, I mean, we already talked about Australia, but let's go into some yeah. real depth with a particular goal as opposed to being more generic. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's easy to create a generic goal, right? We mm -hmm. do that, I'm sure, all the time. But to be very specific. So a general goal might be, hey, I want a new bike, right? Pretty basic, pretty simple. A SMART goal forces us to think through all the relevant details to get to that point. So we might, I might instead say, I want a new bike by mid-summer. Um, so I can spend more time outdoors or ride in that particular race that's important. So it's relevant to my values. The brand X bike costs X amount, right? And so I'm going to save $50 every week, January to July, so that I can pay for that $1,200 bike. Mm -hmm. So it's timely, it's, it's achievable, it's relevant, it's detailed, it's specific. And that allows you to chart your progress over time to reach that goal versus just saying, I want a new bike and hope that I remember to put $100 in the same spot at a particular time. Mm -hmm. um, similar, I had a conversation with uh, my oldest child um, recently. He just graduated from college in May. He's a nurse now. He's making a really good salary. And he says to me the other night, mom, I want to pay off my student loans really quick. He enters repayment in February. And I said, all right, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm just going to pay him off. I said, no, let's chart it out. Mm -hmm. And we use the SMART goal approach. And we said, it's um, what's what's the amount? So that's specific and it's measurable. He looked it up. Um, he did a spending plan to figure out how much he has available each paycheck. He's paid every two weeks. And he knows that in, uh, I think it was 23 months. So starting in February, he could pay off his loans over a 23-month period at X amount per month. So mm -hmm. now he has a distinct plan in place versus just saying, I want to pay off my loans quicker. Mm -hmm. um, so it can apply to all sorts of things. It can apply to debt and it can apply to wish lists mm -hmm. as well. There is something inspiring too when you see, oh, that's the end point. Yes. Like if, if you don't plan it out like that, you're not going to see that end point. But if you plot it out, you'll see how it's actually going to happen. Yep. And that's where the timely piece comes into play is like you said, mm -hmm. knowing that end point. And you're also committing to a particular period of time, which I think it makes it a realer situation uh, for you as well. So, yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, Anything else people should think about for 2022? Anything coming up that can help people get started even? Or Sure. I mean, some of the things I like to think about at the very end of the year, and that's where we are, right? Um, 
I love it when people think about using their tax refund for something important mm-hmm. or a year-end bonus, if that applies to you. Um, I think kind of thinking about the tax refund, is it coming, maybe get a sense of how much you might get back or how much you might usually get back or what your year-end bonus is, if that, if that um, applies, or even gifts during the holidays, right, that may be coming in that you think you might be getting, make a plan for that. Give each of those dollars a job as well, right? Mm -hmm. And whether you're starting um, a savings goal with that tax refund or that money from Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever, um, use that money and think about it. Think about it now, how you're going to spend that tax refund, how you're going to spend that bonus, how you're going to allocate it. I think that's a really great practice for the end of the year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, It's never um, a bad time to pull your credit report at the beginning of the year, right? Everyone can get a free credit report. Um, The government recommends annualcreditreport.com. Go there, pull a free credit report from one of the three credit reporting entities and just check your information, right? Make sure you're starting the year off right with correct information on your credit report. That's another great practice to do, you know, often. Um, but certainly if you haven't done it, now's a good time to do it um, at either the end of the year or the be- beginning of the year. Those are mm-hmm. you know, two things I love to think about at the beginning of the year, tax and, refunds and credit reports. And I like it that those are really short-term goals too. Like start there and you will have achieved something good already. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love that positive spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I've noticed about myself that the long-term goals are more challenging, but when I can do kind of, um, you know, something that gives me the check this off the list. It sort of helps me tackle the, the, the things that are longer term. So yeah, like to throw that out It's always helpful to check something off the list, a little bit of debt or or whatnot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. All right. Anything, anything to wrap it up that I haven't asked you about, or I think. Well, I wish you a lot of luck um, saving for Australia and everyone else out there starting their savings goals. Um, I always just remind people it's very personal what your goals are. There's no Mm -hmm. right or wrong. Um, Just set your goals based on your personal values. Um, start small if you have to use the spending plan as a guide um, and all of those great online resources that I shared earlier. Um, that's what they're there for. Um, use them, start small and uh, progress, you know, from mm-hmm. there for sure. Mm-hmm. And happy New Year. Yeah. Yeah. Happy New Year. All right. Thank you so much, Jan. All right. Have a good rest of your day. Thank Me you. too. All right. Um, now we'll be taking a short break, but when we return, I'll be talking with Zaragoza Guerra about New Year's resolutions. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome, everyone, and welcome, Zaragoza. Thanks so much for coming on the show to talk about New Year's resolutions. Glad to be here, Sally. (laughs) It'll be fun to piggyback it on um, my session with Jan, because hers was obviously finance-based, so this Mm -hmm. is going to be kind of student-oriented, parent-oriented maybe, but not about the finances. So hopefully more fun. Our stuff might be more. (laughs) I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) All right. So what, what do you think is sort of the first resolution, like especially for seniors, they're heading into a super stressful time or they're in the middle of it. If they applied early, some of them are getting denied or deferred right now. It's really Mm -hmm. stressful. Um, Mm -hmm. Others are wrapping up their application. So what's a nice kind of New Year's Eve resolution that? Yeah, you you know, when I think of resolutions, uh, you know, you think of that word solution within resolution and you're Mm -hmm. here trying to solve a problem. And, uh, you know, these these past two years, year and a half have been incredibly difficult. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think 
um, it's caused the, the whole world, uh, especially seniors, you know, mm-hmm. to stress out, to, um, you know, anxiety levels have been raised to the nth degree uh, for a lot of uh, reasons. And so I think, you know, a great solution, <laughs> a great resolution would be to, to resolve, to, to relax a little, to, mm-hmm. um, you know, have have some fun because mm-hmm. the world has not been fun. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I think in order to remedy that, um, you do need to take uh, off a, a bit of the, the, the stress and, you know, make sure that um, you're spending quality time with your friends, with your family um, and relaxing. And, and, and even, you know, if you think about how a lot of, uh, students have been spending their summers, you know, we always tell them, hey, be productive, you know, mm-hmm. as you're gearing up for, for college. Well, this is your chance to not necessarily be productive, to uh, let off a little steam, relax, mm-hmm. and and enjoy um, that last summer before, before college. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really great solution for a lot of students. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I told you this story, but I think it's an instructive one for our audience, too. Um, a student of mine, he was going off to Dartmouth, very ambitious, very smart, great kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's into Dartmouth. I'm like, you're awesome. This is so good. I'm so glad for you. And, um, but, you know, I'm here if you have any questions. So he emails me about possible internships. And, you know, he's a senior. I was like, John, this is your chance to relax, to do something you just want to do that's not going to help you in the future in any career-oriented sense at all. Mm -hmm. And I knew this particular young man was really into the outdoors. He loved it, you know, and from, I'm like, from here on out, you're not going to be able to take a month long trip into the wilderness. So do it, go get yourself lost in the woods of New Hampshire or Maine. And I know that you love to do that. This is your chance. You're going to be doing internships in Manhattan after this you're not going to have time. And I was super happy to find out that he ended up taking my advice. You know, he he went for the big internships after he got to college, but his parents told me that like, yep, he was like, she's right. I can take a break. I'm like, this is your chance. And he that did is it. awesome. Cause yeah. it doesn't come again. It doesn't come yeah. around again very easily as, it, as you and I know, and, and no one's going to be asking <laughs> or have that expectation that you will have, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, stuck to the grindstone that summer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is the one summer where you're that you're just not going to have to account for it all. It doesn't mean that you can't, like, you know, do the Peace Corps sometime or I don't know, do something like that. That's I, hopefully is going to be intriguing in a different way. But yeah, nobody is going to be asking you what you did with that particular summer, or if they do ask and you tell them you did something fun, they're going to be happy about that and impressed with that. Yeah. Yeah, especially you know the, these past two years, we've we've all been expected to uh, go to the nth degree uh, in, in everything that we do. Whether you're a student, mm-hmm. whether you're you're a parent, whether you're working, and um, you know all that product- productivity has already <laughs> taken place to a certain mm-hmm. degree. So mm-hmm. Enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, I think you bring up another. I, I mean you bring up a really good point that this has just been a really challenging couple of years for most people uh, Mm -hmm. for a whole variety of reasons. So the other thing that I wanted to emphasize was being willing to ask yourself for help or ask not ask others for help. If you need it, give yourself permission to ask for help. I was wondering if you have senses of, if you've kind of experienced a reluctance to do that with any of your students or. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's this has been difficult and for for a variety of different reasons. One is, um, you know, the virtual environment we're in. You know, mm-hmm. you you've lost a lot of that personal contact, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes I think a lot of students have forgotten to uh, ask for that help. You know, because they've had um, less access mm-hmm. to, you know to their teachers, to, to those who, who could help them in, in a variety of different ways. Um, you know, it, it almost seems as if, um, you know, for, for many of us, for, for a lot of people throughout the world, we've, we've all had to, we've been isolated and we've all had to do things mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to 
um, relearn what it's like to be within a, a community and to relearn what it is uh, to, to ask for help, to mm-hmm. have someone guide you um, mm-hmm. through, through certain things. And so I think that, you know, is something that we all have to become accustomed to again, is that mm-hmm. we're not necessarily all out striking it uh, on our own, that, you know, mm-hmm. we are still members of, of a community. And if you're a mm-hmm. member of an academic community and you're a student who's struggling, yeah, definitely ask for that help. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I want to be clear, too, that you don't have to, struggling doesn't have to mean you're getting Fs. Struggling no. can just mean that it's taking you a little longer to learn a subject than you think it should. You're not really sure how well you're doing. You might be fine, but you're not sure. That's a great reason to go and ask for help. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I talked to a young woman who wasn't going to use the tutoring services at her college because she um, she was like, well, I can teach it to myself eventually. And yet she wanted to drop a class because it was too heavy of a workload. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm sorry, I, please explain this to me. I'm not I'm, I'm not trying to say you're wrong, but I just I don't get it. And she said, well, it just takes me a while, but I get there. And I'm like, well, that's a great reason to use a tutor. Mm-hmm. They can help you like shorten the process a little bit, given that you've got this very heavy course load, mm-hmm. you know, and I said, if you really need to drop that class, drop that class, but there's an interim step, which is asking for help. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I personally think, you know, I, I looked up all the resources at her college and I said, personally, I think you should be on first name basis with all the people who work at these places until you feel like you're really confident that you can handle it because that's what mm-hmm. they're there for. Mm-hmm. And she was, she just sort of hadn't, she felt like she had to be failing to ask for mm-hmm. help, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think in contrast to that, Sally, you know, given that we've all been home for the, for the past two, two years, sometimes um, we've gotten used to the people in our pod, our parents mm-hmm. and, and those who are, are, are around us and have been relying upon them. And it's, it can be hard um, to get back into the groove of mm-hmm. things in terms of immersing ourselves back into the world out there. So I think another really great resolution in contrast to that would be, mm-hmm. hey, you know, strike, uh, strike it out on your own for a little bit mm-hmm. um, when it, you know, when uh, the setting permits, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you've been vaccinated and you're able to um, go out and immerse yourself in, in things that you haven't been able to do for the past two years, make that a resolution that, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to get away from my parents mm-hmm. for a little bit, um, give them a break, um, and, and give myself a break from, uh, you know, these, 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 um, uh, the, the places where we have been immersed in. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we've been kind of cocooned a little bit. So, uh, you know, a great resolution is to break out of those cocoons mm-hmm. and, and have the freedom to, to go out and, and explore and do the things that we haven't been able to do for the past two mm-hmm. years. Yeah, I think the example of spending a couple of weeks away from your parents is a really important one. Um, I've found that students who don't do that. Um, are often students who drop out of college, not because they can't handle the academics, but because they can't handle the social adjustment. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a student who actually went to Princeton, um, you know, and, but his mother was, I will just be blunt. She was very overprotective. I mean, she didn't even want to let him go on sort of typical senior trips and things Mm -hmm. like that. And you know what? One semester across the country from her was too much. And he came back. You know, yeah. like it's uh, it, it, it was an interesting situation, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm quite sure that mm-hmm. she was disappointed. Like that was her dream, which was probably yeah. part of the issue is maybe it was more mm-hmm. her dream than his dream, you know. So mm-hmm. um, but yeah, have like take those steps out, push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Those tiny moments outside of your comfort zone will prepare you for the bigger one of going to college. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then you bring up parents and, um, you know, that parent who was having a little bit of difficulty letting go, you know, there are, there are resolutions that parents can make too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I would say, uh, you know, this has been a, a stressful time for, for everyone. And um, I think, you, you know, for parents, yeah, 
being able to to let your child go on these uh, mm-hmm. adventures is an, is another great resolution is is giving them that permission to to do that um but also thinking about um you know the college admissions process and uh, you know we've all been locked in our homes uh to a greater degree than than usual and that causes a lot of stress and it certainly does cause a lot of stress um in terms of the the college admissions process um, and I would probably say, you know, for, for parents, you know, perhaps make a resolution to talk about other things mm-hmm. <laughs> than college. Um, you know, if you're, if you've got a senior and, and, uh, or, you know, a junior and you've been, uh, talking about that, you, you know, for the past couple of years, you know, take a break from that, you mm-hmm. know, see them as your child and, and really step away from the, the college admissions process and, 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 and the stress involved, uh, mm-hmm. with that. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with giving them a little bit of breathing room there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that promising your kid, if you're somebody who has to talk to your kid about the college process regularly, then schedule time to do it and so that they're not afraid that it's going to hit them at any moment. I think that's mm-hmm. a really important thing to know. Um, another thing I would say for parents is, you know, resolve. This is more... Um, well, this is really for any age group. Look beyond the rankings. Look beyond the college rankings. I have a lot of parents who get really stuck on that, that mm-hmm. you know, and, and they don't even always want to admit it. Like they feel like, well, it doesn't have to go to an Ivy. You can go to Tufts. And I'm like, okay, that's Tufts is more selective than the Ivies were when you went to college, by the way, <laughs> like at this point, um, you know, so look beyond, look beyond those rankings, realize that what was a great place for you might not be a great place for your child. And some parents do that beautifully and other parents really, Mm -hmm. really struggle with it. And it's not that they don't love their kids, but they struggle. Mm -hmm. And resolve to also look at, at the world for, for what it is, Mm -hmm. you know, the world has changed in 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. The world has changed since, I apply to college uh, and, you know, I, I like to, uh, you know, I'm always reminding people when, when I was going to, to college or when I was applying to college, there were probably maybe 200 million people in the country, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, we're now over 300 million. That's a lot more people. That's a lot more people applying to colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. And um, there are no greater number of spaces mm-hmm. at colleges and universities than there were when I was blind. So things have gotten a lot more selective. Um, mm-hmm. And what might have been a safety or a just right, you know, 20, 30 years ago mm-hmm. is not necessarily the case anymore. You know, exactly. sel- selectivity has risen, um, you know, throughout the spectrum mm-hmm. um, and throughout the country. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, I do want to emphasize that there is a college for everyone. It's just about getting that good balanced list. But yeah, Mm -hmm. the rankings is not how you're going to find that. So Mm -hmm. or what I tell people is if you're going to look at the rankings, look at them the right way. Any school in the top 100 is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. Any school. Like so. So don't worry about what's number five versus what's number 25 versus any of those. And and mind you, there's plenty of schools outside the top 100 that are great Mm -hmm. schools, too. But like, at least don't make those sort of narrow distinctions because those are truly meaningless. They are. You know, if you were looking at, you know, where we were 100 years ago or 50 years ago, if you were to say, hey, what are the top 10 colleges, universities that that might have made sense. But given that Mm -hmm. the population has grown, you have to expand. Mm -hmm. What do you think of as selective? It's more like the top 40, the top 50, the top 100, as you're stating. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what we're looking at in terms of selectivity. Mm -hmm. Exactly. All right. And then. what about juniors? Do you have any advice for the juniors? I mean, they can look beyond rankings too, you know? I, I think, you know, what, what can be difficult is um, always looking over your shoulder and looking at what other people are doing. So, uh, you know, if your friend has a, a particular college list, just realize that that's their college list and it's not necessarily a reflection on, on you. So I would think a really great resolution is to um, stop comparing your college list to, to others um, because what might be a really great fit college for one person is going to be very different for, for another person. 
and you have to uh, look at your your own particular background, your own particular needs, your own particular record, and try to match colleges and universities to that rather than try to match yourself to someone else's college list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even in the same family. I mean, my brother went to UC Berkeley. He loved it. I went, I applied, I got in and I just said, there's, I can't go here. It's too big mm-hmm. for me. I don't like it. I don't want to mm-hmm. be in lectures, you know? Um, and so I went to Reed college and that's, you know, that was a great decision that my mother was very supportive of. My dad did not understand why am I paying more <laughs> for a school I've never heard of, you know, mind you, it wasn't that much more because I was very lucky in terms of financial aid. Um but uh, yeah, respect those differences and respect that your student will wind up in the right place, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, anything else to wrap it up? I mean, we've yeah, got- I would say, you know, think of some of those personal resolutions too. It doesn't always have to be about uh, college mm-hmm. admissions and it doesn't always have to be about academics. You know, for, for me personally, as I said, this is, uh, you know, I think for, for, for the whole world, this has been a hard two years. And so, you know, for me on a personal level, I, I resolved to play a little bit more music, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, immerse myself in something that I love, um, you know, just for the fun of it. So mm-hmm. uh, absolutely, you know, think of those personal resolutions too. Um, you know, how can we uh, be people who connect ourselves to the world around us and to our communities out there? Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways to to just uh, have joy mm-hmm. <laughs> in, the, in the things that you're doing. So for mm-hmm. me, that's personally something that I would do. And I'd encourage a, a lot of our students and a lot of our parents to connect to those things that you love and, and resolve to immerse yourself in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things I'm thinking I might want to do is take a sewing lesson. I mean, I can't fix the tiniest little tear in my clothes. I can't do any of that. Why not learn how to do that? You know, it's not too late. And then in doing that, I'll take a lesson uh, out in the community. I will talk to people who are different from me. These things are good things to do. So um, absolutely. Connection is important. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Zaragoza. You're welcome, Sally. It's been a joy. All right, everyone. We'll be back in just a few minutes with uh, I'll be talking to Sarah Calvert Cobram about things you need to think about now that you've submitted your applications. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Sarah. Hi. Thank you, Sally. So glad you're here today. I think that, especially with your background, I know this is kind of, uh, this is sort of technical in some ways, the topic of what to do after your apps are in, but I think we're hitting some of the emotional cues too. So I always love your take on these things. So let's let's start though with the technical of what to do now, once you've submitted all your applications, um, what do you want to do next? Yeah. Um, so first thing, once applications are all submitted, is the logistical management of first, make sure that between now and when you hear from a college students, you are obsessively checking your email. Um, email, I know, is becoming a little bit out of date with, you know, text messaging and instant communication, but mm-hmm. that is how colleges communicate the vast majority. Um, usually within about 
two or three business days after hitting submit on an application, a student will receive an email saying, we received your application, along with instructions for most colleges on how to set up a login for a portal. Mm -hmm. Um, The portal is where most colleges have their own login, where you check the status of your application. So have they received your school's transcripts and letters of recommendation? Is your application complete or incomplete? They often also have information in there if financial aid forms are needed. So you're checking your status of everything. That same portal is where, let's say you're hearing back in mid-March, whether or not you're admitted is where you'll go in usually to see. So um, check your email, follow the instructions. If the college uses the portal system, get it all set up and ready to go and verify that your application is complete. Do not stress if your application is not listed as complete until a few days after the application deadline. Um, There's a human processing that happens with all of this, believe it or not. It's not 100% technology. Um, They they have to import things from the application um, source, from the testing agency, et cetera. So it can take a few days to catch up, especially with those January 1st deadlines, which are when offices are close for a holiday. Mm-hmm. So give it a few days for things to process. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Do not panic if it takes a couple of weeks, but be on top of it when they do get in touch with you. And I think that's why checking your email is a good idea too. You don't want to go on that portal every single day. Yeah. Like I, I want to caution like, diligence, but not panic. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yes. It's a fine um, line. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, so checking the email is good because they'll pretty much always email you as well as having it on the portal unless they say otherwise. So correct. Yeah. Yeah. One other silly detail that might sound tiny, but I find for students I work with is actually substantial is I think it's really helpful to create a email folder or flag if you use Gmail for each college you're applying to mm-hmm. um, so that you can flag or sort things by school to stay organized. Um, I was in a meeting with a student recently. We did a screen share, realized he had thousands upon thousands of emails in his inbox with no systems. Right. And I think that's common practice now, mm-hmm. but it's an easy way to accidentally miss something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Almost impossible to keep track in that situation. So. Yep. Yeah, I love your solution. I think that's a really good one. Um, All right, what else is important at this point? Yeah, so a couple things. Earlier, Sally, you mentioned emotional pieces. I'll share with the audience that not only am I a past college admissions officer, but I'm a social worker. I have my master's Mm -hmm. in social work. So I'm always thinking both about the admissions piece, but the well-being of the student. And here's one area where Sally and I were chatting to prepare, and there's a fine line. Mm -hmm. On the logistics and college standpoint, we encourage students to keep their grades up. And there are two reasons now that that matters, to keep your grades up in senior year. One is that for many colleges, when students apply regular decision, your high school counselor will be sending an updated school transcript for your first semester grades, usually by the end of January or early February. The other is that once you've been admitted to colleges, you pay your deposit, you decide where you're going, your high school has to submit a final high school transcript. Usually this happens in June or July, saying that, yes, this student graduated and here are their grades. Mm -hmm. And although For most colleges, it's not that big a deal if a grade or two slips a little bit. If they see a concerning red flag, it could mean that worst case scenario, the offer of admission is rescinded because they say, ooh, this isn't the student who applied to our college. This isn't what we were expecting. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally, it's not that severe. I've worked at colleges where the student has to have a one-on-one with the dean or vice president of admission and talk about what happened. What did they Mm -hmm. learn? But absolutely, you want to avoid that situation. So Mm -hmm. keep grades up, but at the same time, be present in senior year. Try to have some fun. Um, Spend time with your family and friends knowing that come next fall, whether you're going to college across town or across the country, a big transition or change is coming. And try to have some fun because the last few months have been intense getting these applications in. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And yeah, I do want to stress too, if something happens when it comes to your grades or something like that, 
Also know that you can reach out to the admission office proactively. An example that I would give, and I, at University of Chicago, there was a student, he'd been a great student and suddenly his grades slipped. And I mean, we, we thought this kid was great. Like he was just, he was wonderful. So we actually reached out to him and he kind of hemmed and hawed. And then he told us that he had come out as gay and in Mm -hmm. the fairly small town where he was in upstate Wisconsin, it, he had not been treated well. And we were like, of course, we're going to cut you slack for that. You know, we're like, please come to Chicago where nobody cares. Like, it's not going to be, you know what I mean? I mean, I guess we can't promise nobody, but please come to Chicago. And, you know, and, and you know what? He came to University of Chicago. He became one of our tour guides and we loved him. But, you know, we we had to pull him in to find out what was going on. Mm -hmm. But if he had just proactively called us or something like that, then we wouldn't have even, I mean, we were absolutely sympathetic. So I do want to let people know that we are there to be, admission officers are there to be humane, but you've got to have but don't just slack because mm-hmm. that's not the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think what you just implied too is be proactive in communicating. The admissions officers generally want to know the why behind the story. Mm-hmm. They're not mind readers. Mm-hmm. So if something comes up where a grade is sliding, you need to drop or change a course, proactively telling the office of admission and telling them the why behind can mm-hmm. really help so that they're not trying to guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One time I had a student who wanted to drop physics and he was already admitted to his college of choice. And I said, if that, co- if the, your college says fine, then I say fine. So he mm-hmm. called them in the office with me. They said, we don't care. And I said, okay, great. You can drop it. I'll sign yep. up on it. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And then any, what else? And we talked about finances already, but one that you and I discussed earlier was talking about how much this is going to cost. You've got a big expense coming up. And especially if this is the oldest child or the only child Mm -hmm. that might not have been discussed before, might not have been dealt with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I always think about this when I was working at um, Lewis and Clark, this young man was crying and an admitted student uh, open house because his parents shared once there that they couldn't afford it. Um, and it, it just pulled at my heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I would say is that I think that now, while families wait a few months to hear back from college colleges, it's a healthy and good time to sit down, parents or guardians, with your student and have whatever in your family feels appropriate an open conversation if you haven't already about the role cost could play and to what extent in terms of which college the student ends up choosing. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, I'm a mom. I always want the best in the world for my child, but there are pragmatic limitations financially, Mm -hmm. logistically, whatever that might be. And granted, I have a, you know, preschooler, not a high schooler, but Mm -hmm. it's my job to help set up for realistic expectations and support. And finances can be a hard one to do it. But I think that sometimes parents think, sure, apply to your dream school, but they haven't really thought about, ooh, what if I have to turn down this dream for my student? So Mm -hmm. I think having a conversation now to set the stage that cost might be a factor for our family in deciding which colleges we can have you attend. Let's have a conversation about whether or not you'll take out student loans, what this looks like, so that when all the options for both admission, scholarships, loans are on the table in March or April, it, it isn't as much of a surprise if finances are part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stress that enough. I mean, honestly, I would recommend doing it even earlier, but do it now if you haven't already. Just yep. say, this is what might be possible. I, I'm all in for you. I hope this will happen. This is not me not being supportive, but you need to also get excited about the in-state public option yep. just in case. So, or, you know, a school you might think of as a safety, it's a private college that has great merit scholarships. Think about mm-hmm. these things. Sometimes the schools that are easier for you, you to be admitted to on your list can be a financial gem. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of, you talked about schools that are safeties on the list. Mm-hmm. I always really recommend that, especially for students who are applying to schools that are big reaches. Okay, you did it. You you applied to this big reach and you didn't get in, 
Mm-hmm. You have other big reaches, but you know the odds are against you, not because you're not a great student, but because these are admit rates of 5%, 10%. It's just simply the odds are just very poor. Straight numbers, not personal to you, right? Yep. So get excited about your non-reach schools as well. Yep. And I think one thing that's an action item that can be taken at this point is a lot of students I work with, they pick their what we might call safety or target schools, but maybe they put less time into researching them as they do into their reach schools. Mm -hmm. And so right now can be a good time to hang out on the college's social media sites or websites, take a look and get, get excited so that you can be thinking about if those are some of your most compelling or only options on the table come spring, what is it that you like about these institutions? Mm -hmm. And hopefully you already know a few of those things, but you might not. (laughs) You may have been busy and just getting these applications in. So I think spending some time researching and deciding what it is you like about them can be really helpful when the admissions decisions come out. Definitely. Mm I would also say that for students who've applied to lots of colleges and just kind of, it's not something we advise. I usually don't advise more than 12, but I still have students who apply to 20, 30. And some of those students have no idea what they're going to do when the time comes. And then what should be a pretty joyous time because they've gotten into some wonderful options ends up being extremely stressful for them. So I think that's another reason to kind of dig into your list and kind of think like, what are some of my priorities? Again, not just in terms of if I get into an Ivy, I'll go there, but of these targets, of these safeties, like, are there some that I like more than others? Like, let, like, yeah, yeah, spending that research will help you make those choices down the road, too. Yeah. I, you, you remind me, when I worked at Northeastern, I met a young man who had been admitted to 20 colleges and universities, including Northeastern, which is a mm-hmm. selective school. And <laughs> it was paralysis of indecision. He was incredibly overwhelmed. And so I, I think you are exactly right, especially for students who have applied to longer lists of schools, have a healthy number of those kind of target and safeties that they have a healthy idea of which ones have compelling hooks. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you specifically like at specific campuses and offerings? Um, Cause it, it sounds like perhaps an embarrassment of riches to be admitted to lots of colleges, but in these days where students are often applying to lots more schools than we might advise, it happens sometimes. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and I, I'm surprised Northeastern's a perfect example. I was talking to a young woman who hadn't gotten into her reach schools in Northeastern obviously wasn't a safety. It isn't really mm-hmm. for most students anymore, no. um, but it was a, it was kind of a high target and um, she didn't re- know about the co-op program. And I was like, how do you not know about the co-op program? That's like such mm-hmm. a distinguishing factor. And I told her about it and she said, I'm so glad I talked to you. I've been so excited about getting to work. And this thought that I can get to work so early yep. is like she wanted that very hands-on uh, as opposed to more theoretical education. And I thought, well, Northeastern sounds perfect for you. Frankly, it sounds better than these other schools that you didn't get into. And mm-hmm. she didn't know. I thought, how do you not know? You must have only found out it was in Boston and thought, great. You know? yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's so. an example of what I call a hook with my students, right? So the co-op could be a hook, a phenomenal study abroad program, a city where you have an aunt that's going to cook meals for you, whatever yeah. that might be. But think about what those hooks might be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. That was great. Of course. And as we wrap up, one final thought that you and I talked about, Sally, this summer, plan to do something fun. Go backpacking, yeah. go travel, relax, whatever it is. You've worked so hard, students through high school, have some fun. Absolutely. And that is a great place to end it. All right. So we have some great shows coming up for our January 6th show. We'll be talking about summer programs and Beth Heaton will also be answering listener questions with our regular finance contributor, Shannon Vasconcelos. Remember too, that you don't need to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24 seven on the voice America website. You can download every show for free on iTunes um, if you want to search for a particular show topic, please go to our blog page at blog.getintocollege.com. Um, and last, do not forget, we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. 
Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.